Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hi, my name is Mike Schaefer. I work at Marina Mar Communications as the Group Senior Vice President of Corporate Digital Innovation. Awesome. Thanks for um, jumping on the Remote Work Drive podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about your role and what's your day-to-day is like? Uh, so I oversee the corporate and healthcare digital teams at MMC and our sister agency, RX Mosaic. Uh, so I work across the vast majority of our clients in that space, uh, working to deal with staffing and strategy and execution uh, and making sure that our agency is constantly uh, leaning in on innovative thinking and new offerings and other areas that, uh, that our clients are really looking for. Awesome. And what's, what would you say is the most exciting thing you're working on these days? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I've worked on uh, some really exciting projects over the last uh, 13, 14 months that I've been at MMC, including some COVID-related projects. Um, also, just building a team. I, I, that, that's what excites me so much of uh, engaging top talent across the country, uh, finding the right people with the right skill sets to make sure that our team's set up for, for what we need, uh, not just today, but in the future. Uh, so I, I think uh, joining a, a, a healthcare-focused organization or, or a role focused on healthcare in a, in a communications organization uh, during the pandemic was really interesting and, and intentional that, that I wanted to uh, lean in more on healthcare. That's where uh, we've become so much more informed as, as a public on all things healthcare, health science, vaccinations. Uh, so being a part of those conversations and working with clients to define themselves in that space is really exciting. And then the team aspect is, is uh, I mean, those two things are, are why I get up in the morning. Absolutely. I have a couple of follow-on questions to that. Yeah. Um, for starters, I know you have a background both working remotely pre-pandemic mm-hmm. as well as, of course, since the pandemic. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how your leadership kind of approach has kind of evolved since uh, March of 2020? Yeah, look, when you're in an office and around your colleagues, leadership is very tangible. Uh, Not not that you have to like touch employees, you don't want to do that, Uh, but but you can uh, sit around a table with them and it's easy to go grab coffee, grab lunch, get a drink, um, and really get that, that hallway conversations that uh, that really help build that that sense of trust and 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 team dynamic. Uh, remote, that's that's a really different, um, really different style. That uh, you really do need to make it intentional. That you can't just appear at a water cooler with someone. You have to schedule those moments or, or book those times. And maybe it's booking 15 minutes with someone to check in. Uh, on them here and there, or using uh, Microsoft Teams or Slack or another messaging platform to to check in on them. Uh, I think as a leader, I've relied more in the past two years on text messages and following my team on Instagram if they approve my follow and vice versa, uh, to really find those ways that we can uh, work together and build that sense of team, even if we can't be sitting next to each other every day. Absolutely. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about some of the ways that you've been a little bit more intentional about kind of 
those team building efforts. Um, I know you'd mentioned at one point, like kind of following people on Instagram and I know some leaders are really big fans of that. Other fans are not. How do you do that in a way where it's just seen as like being friendly and approachable and not as like being a stalker? Yeah, I don't, don't, don't want to be stalker creepy. No, not not at all. Uh, to me, it's about transparency that um, uh, even people that, that I worked with in an office for years, I was really transparent with them. And I, I want uh, my colleagues that I may not be seeing every day in person in the flesh uh, to to feel that sense of closeness and transparency. Uh, so yes, I follow most of my team on Instagram and I encourage them to follow me. I, I've uh, in my introductory sessions with, with my team members, I give them my social media handles. Is it follow? Be part of this. Uh, I think I've been sharing a lot more on LinkedIn, uh, knowing that that the audience is not just the business community, but also my colleagues, uh, people that that are that work on my team or at the agency are like, okay, who is this guy? What is he talking about? What does he stand for? Uh, and so having taking those social platforms to be public uh, with what I stand for and knowing that uh, there are internal audiences that, that are part of that. Um, I also uh, check in on my teammates uh, every day. Um, if I go more than, than a week or two without at least pinging someone with a high, just checking in, that, that that's strange. Uh, so I'll set up um, 15, 20, 30 minute check-ins with people regularly. I, I've asked uh, all, of, all of my junior staffers to set up 30 minute monthly meetings with me, just recurring meetings starting uh, in January. Uh, and my direct reports, I, I talk to, uh, we have weekly uh, one-on-ones that we still do um, and then check in as needed. Uh, so really just trying to be as available as possible is, is uh, and wh- whatever tactic that takes on any given day is what we do. Um, when there are, um, uh, like, unfortunately, over the last two years, we've had a lot of societal moments that have re- required um, uh, not just a, like a response from a manager or a leader, but just an, uh, an open ear. Uh, so we've set up open forums around key moments when people just may want to process what's going on in the world. And that's been really helpful to, to build that sense of community as well. Very cool. Um... Can you maybe walk me through a little bit about your general structure, if you have one, for your one-on-ones of your director of boys? Oh, so I, I think one thing that, that I believe passionately is that you can't manage every employee the same way, because every employee needs something different from you, whether it's uh, their level or their geography or uh, or anything, uh, and part of um, building that team dynamic is to show up for your team the way that you need. Uh, so I have some direct reports where we just get right to, here's what's going on with the projects. Here, here's some questions I have. Here's some questions I have for them. And then others, we're just talking for half an hour about, uh, about what's going on in the world, uh, what's going on in their world and their family and their travels and, uh, and everything like that. So I don't know if it, I don't think there's one, one structure but it's an extension of how can I be as available to my team in the way that they need me to be? And it's customized for, for each person. And some, it's a normal flow. Uh, some, I know with my manager, I have an agenda for our weekly one-on-ones. I don't require that of my team, but some, some uh, show up with an agenda that they want to uh, talk through. That's a really, really, really um, thought, thoughtful approach of just making it 
you said something really insightful there, which was, uh, you can't lead everyone the same exact way. No. Can you maybe walk me through, like when you have a new um, director report or a new hire on the team, can you walk me through a little bit about how you learn about like, you know, how they kind of want to, you know, be managed and like how you can actually, you know, get through some of those growing pains and make sure that you are being the best possible manager you can be um, for each person on your team. I think the most important aspect there is to listen that uh, whether it's someone that you, you're a new, you're a new hire uh, that's managing people or people come onto your team, uh, listening to what they want is the most important thing because people are gonna do their best work when they feel heard. And when you're responding to what they want out of their projects, what they're looking for out of uh, a, a boss or a mentor or a manager, um, and I believe those three words are very different words and you can have the same dotted line relationship with people and, and take on different aspects of those, um, those roles. Um, so lots of questions um, and helping solve problems. I think, uh, especially, especially in a remote context, the best way to earn someone's trust is to help solve a problem with them, uh, to show that um, you're building a track record of you're on their team, you're in their corner, you're helping them. Um, you know, I, I had a situation with, with someone on my team where I had to give them some not great news, but I was able to say, hey, look, I, I, have a, I think I've built a track record with you over the last year or so of making sure that everything turns out in your favor. And, and this employee said, yeah, you actually have. So even though I have never met this person face to face, we have built a relationship of trust over, over our conversations and our, our projects that we've worked on together where I can share something that's, that's not great and they understand that I, I'm looking out for them as best as, as anyone could. Uh, whereas I, I had another uh, direct report that a few months in, uh, said, you know what, we just haven't connected yet, have we? And I was like, well, we've had, um, you know, weekly meetings, we've worked on some projects together, what's missing? And then, then I realized we haven't connected as people yet. And so I, I thought about that and came back in our next weekly one-on-one. -on -one. I just threw out the agenda of tell me about projects. I was like, tell me about you. Like, tell me more about your story. Tell me what you're looking for. Um, and, and it was um, like a real aha moment. And, and since that moment, uh, we've been very close and been really productive working together. Um, so sometimes th that transparency uh, really, really does pay off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of going in a slightly different direction. I know you'd mentioned you know, working remotely for the first time back in, I think, 2010, you'd mentioned it yeah. offline. Um, can you, how much of, in the fact that you've been obviously a very, like you've been a leader for a while mm. and it sounds like you really have a good grasp on your leadership approach and it seems like it's being, it seems like you're really, really respected by everyone around you and your team. Um, I hope so. Direct reports. Can yeah. you maybe walk me through a little bit about like how that has kind of evolved given that you've been kind of in roles where you've been in person and remote since 2010 and kind of, you know, how that has kind of, how that, any of that helped shape, you know, going into like how you were able to leverage some of that when suddenly it seems like the entire world went remote in 2020. Yeah. So um, in 2010, I, I joined an ad agency uh, called IO Studio and I was uh, 
depending how you look on it, the first or second hire in the DC office. Uh, so there are two of us in Washington, DC, and about 200 people or so in Nashville, Tennessee. And that, whether that you consider that remote or satellite or second office, uh, I really begin to un begin to understand um, geographically diverse culture building of how do you uh, make distance not an issue. Um, and it sounds funny when we say, well, back then technology wasn't what it, what it was now, but it wasn't. We didn't have uh, some of the, the workplace technologies that, that we have now and really the, the communications technology that, that help us uh, get our work done day to day. Um, so we had to work really hard on that. And, and um, it, it, I took a lot of, lot of trips. I got a lot of frequent flyer miles uh, to Nashville and some, some great hotel points too, uh, to, to be there as much as I could to build those relationships. Um, and what um, my takeaway from that situation was uh, everyone is a fully vested employee of the agency. And they're there to show up, whether they're they're at the headquarters or not. Uh, so as I began uh, ascending into more and more leadership roles, uh, I really looked at, at geography as our friend, not an enemy. Uh, and then when I was at, at Edelman for about seven years, I worked with people all across the Edelman network, never making geography a thing. It was it was a strength, not a weakness. And so uh, work to to tie together diverse opinions, uh, diverse viewpoints, diverse worldviews uh, around the network. And, and now at, at MMC, uh, I really want to make sure that every employee, no matter where they are, feels as vested and included in everything that's happening as possible. Um, so that's, uh, that, that really is something where, you know, I'm in Los Angeles, the, our team is based in New York, but we have people, we have other people in Los Angeles and Sacramento and Chicago and Washington, DC. Uh, and, and we're looking for top talent. And uh, I wanna make sure that, that we're building, and that's just on my core team alone, uh, the, the diversity in, in geography, uh, ma making sure that every human feels part of what we're doing here because they are, we bring people on because of their, their talent. Uh, and I think so many organizations are going through a very, uh, the same thing right now of how do we adjust to a more remote environment, whether people are just working from home five minutes from the office or they're spread out across oceans. Um, so that's uh, that feeling of inclusion and belonging uh, from a geographic standpoint, not, not to even touch on, on all the entire immense work that uh, that people in our industry that that are working in diversity and equity and inclusion are doing, but that that the geographic inclusion is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you'd mentioned something really interesting there about that sense of belonging and mm -hmm. having team members spread out all across the U.S. Um, it sounds like you've been doing a decent amount of hiring since 2020. Yeah. How has your approach to hiring changed? if at all, you know, since the pandemic and what have you, what practices have you put in place to ensure that you are, you know, casting the net maybe wider than just LA and New York City? Yeah, I, I mean, I really take a top talent approach. Um, I think when we look at geography, um, if we have two candidates that are otherwise equal, I may 
be a little more inclined to hire the uh, the candidate that's in New York because that's where our our office is. But if the if there's a candidate in let's say Dallas that that is uh, a better fit for that role, I don't care. Let's hire the candidate in Dallas. Uh, so um, I don't know if that that has changed so much during the pandemic. I can say that at MMC, uh, hiring re- remote first employees is definitely a a new thing from the pandemic. Uh, that there were some remote workers, but they were longstanding employees who had moved remote. Uh, to to the best of my knowledge, uh, and now, like many agencies, many uh, PR agencies, and many organizations we find ourselves with uh, a greatly expanded talent pool. Uh, and how exciting is that, that we're not bound by who can commute to one office building in Manhattan. Now it's who are the best people for the job. So for, from a, a talent standpoint, uh, it's best candidate. And, and I don't have to consider, do we need a relocation package as part of it? It's let's just get the right people and, and build a team. And we can, we don't need, to be sitting across each other, sharing a desk to build that team anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that prior to the pandemic, you was definitely, there were remote employees, but maybe they had been there for five years and had to relocate for, you know, a spouse's job or something like that. Um, and obviously since the pandemic that's changed, what were yeah. some of the kind of mindset shifts that had to happen on the leadership team to realize, hey, we're okay to not just hire people in New York City or LA? Yeah, well, I, I know um, in my own experience, being a team leader on the advisory committee of the agency uh, outside of, of New York was new. That get, can someone lead a team at, our, at the agency that, that doesn't live in New York, that can't just pop into the office, even when the pandemic is uh, under control or, or knocking on wood over? Um, so that was a big mindset shift of can we have a leader that that's elsewhere? Um, I think when we look at uh, some of the things we're dealing with right now, like many companies, we're going from the crisis uh, portion of the pandemic where we're just trying to keep things moving to how do we build and thrive in our current reality? Uh, So we're having a lot of those conversations right now of how do we improve onboarding for remote employees? Um, do we, how do we build into budgets uh, additional travel considerations? Um, things that, that, uh, that didn't have to be discussed before, like, all right, who's flying in for, for the company holiday party, right? Like that's, that, that's a new conversation and they haven't been difficult conversations, but they're, they're exciting ones, but they're some of the, the first time that we need to think through some of those things. Um, uh, so it, it's, uh, to me, it, it's, um, I don't know, feel, feel like a kid in a candy store where, where we're getting to write the future that we are, are I tell some of my other, uh, fellow remote employees, we're the pioneers. How exciting is that to sort of build the remote culture for our agency? I, I love it. I'm, I'm excited by that every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about what you're doing when it comes to onboarding your women employees right now? Uh, so that's something we're, we're actively talking about even today. Uh, so what we'd like to do is have a full onboarding sheet with headshots of who you're meeting with that's, that's in someone's inbox 
when they start. Uh, I work with my team and, and colleagues to set up onboarding meetings uh, with different departments and different humans that, that they'll be working with. And we want to have those meetings already scheduled for them. So when uh, on day one, uh, someone opens their computer and all of a sudden they're an employee of MMC or Rx Mosaic. They open their email, they log in, and 30 meetings for the next the first two weeks have popped up. They don't have to schedule it. They don't need to reach out to people. We've already done that for them. Uh, and thinking through how are we onboarding them to the projects they'll be working on, but also to the agency writ large. How are we... Um, uh, making sure that they, in, in a digestible way, can understand uh, our history and our people and our leaders and our, our structure and our processes, but also the opportunities that they have. And then give them, through these already structured meetings, uh, moments and time to meet, mm -hmm. 30, 60 minutes to meet uh, all of these people that they'll be collaborating with. Uh, we also assign uh, each new employee uh, a buddy that, that's relative to their level. Uh, that doesn't work on their team. So someone that, that they won't be working with day to day, but it comes from another segment of the, of the agency uh, that really is their, um, their go-to guide for the silly questions that you may not want to ask HR, you don't want to ask your manager, uh, some of those other questions. Uh, so th those have been really helpful tools. Um, one of the things that I do with everyone on, on my team is uh, on day one, as soon as they get their IT up and going, uh, they have a meeting with, with me, and if I'm not their manager, their manager and me, and we review their onboarding document together. So I can give them context of what these meetings are. And I say, there's never gonna be a quiz. I don't expect you to remember anything, but you need to know, I just want you these words to come into your brain um, and to really start to build that, uh, the sense of, um, in the interview process, you may just have a narrow vision of what the agency is, uh, and this is not unique to us, any company. You kind of see what, what you're there to see, and then once you step in on day one, you begin to, to uh, uh, open the aperture a little bit of how much you see and understand about, about the organization. Yeah, that's such a really smart approach to, on day one, get on a call and just kind of walk through exactly what that onboarding um, you know, plan is going to look like. And I suspect that probably really reduces some of the overwhelm that can happen when you are a brand new employee um, stepping into an agency for the first, um, you know, on, you know, for the first couple of weeks. Um, how much, uh, it sounds to me like a lot of this is meeting and I guess you could say more call heavy. Do you lean it all into like asynchronous communication when it comes to onboarding or is it predominantly getting to meet with people face-to-face -face over Zoom? or Microsoft Teams or whatnot? Um, I think it has to be a combination that, that I think um, as you onboard, I think it's really helpful to have that, that set schedule of, all right, you don't need to know who the creative leaders are because they're already on your calendar. You don't need to know everything about strategy because that team's already on your calendar. You don't need to know all these account leaders because they're already on your calendar. Uh, but then continuing to check in with, with people ad hoc uh, just throwing a check-in up or throwing a Teams chat. Um, uh, we had an employee that started uh, two weeks ago. And on like day two, I said, hey, you're still here. That's a win. Let's go. Uh, and just starting to uh, to just build that rapport in ways that 
uh, instead of you can't just stop by on your way to the kitchen to, to do that anymore. Uh, so it does have to be a mix of the scheduled and pre-scheduled. Um, I think like so many companies and so many, every professional, we have Zoom fatigue. Um, and so uh, sometimes you just have to text someone or, or ping them just to check in. And I think that goes a long way. Absolutely. Would you say that you are more of an introvert or an extrovert? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think I am uh, very extroverted, uh, but I have like an inner introvert too, um, that I, I'm an only child and I just sort of like, like my quiet and alone time. Uh, whereas like if, if I'm in the car, some people are just like, All right, I'm going to call five people while I'm, I'm driving to the store. And I'm like, I just want to put my, my earbuds in and listen to music and, and process my day. Uh, but no, I, I, especially the way I show up to work is very extroverted. Uh, and I think that that's important. Uh, that's by design. Yeah. Would you say that introverts or extroverts make better leaders? Uh, I think that that's a false uh, equivalency. I think great leaders are ones that that show up for their team and and serve i really truly believe in servant leadership of who does your team need you to be um so i don't think uh being an introvert or an extrovert makes you automatically better disposition to be a strong leader i think leaders take a lot of different forms um i, I think as a leader you need to lean in on, like, you can't really change how introverted or extroverted you naturally are, but you can lean into your strengths and, and know where your weaknesses are and, and build on those too. Um, so I, I, I think my leadership style, which I, I enjoy, but also work to perfect on a daily basis is much more extroverted. Uh, but that I also know some of my favorite partners and collaborators and leaders that I've had are much more introverted. Yeah, that's a really, really good answer. Going back to what you said kind of at the beginning when you were kind of saying, you said something really interesting a few minutes ago, where it's like, you're kind of like the pioneers of building this remote culture within your agency. And you kind of walk through a really, really thoughtful approach to onboarding. What are some of the other things that maybe you're working on now or have worked on in the past that is really helping to build that remote kind of first culture within the company? Gosh, I, those conversations are, are happening as we speak, um, that uh, some of us remote employees have put together some, some thought starters to talk to our talent team about. And I'm just like, hey, we're, we're in this new phase where remote isn't temporary. There's not, there's not an end point inside. This is now our, our reality long-term for, forever of having a geographically diffused workforce. Uh, so we need to be thinking through, as I mentioned, like um, uh, budgets for travel for certain events. Uh, we need to consider time zones, like how do time zones play a factor of, do we wanna have everyone work working uh, New York hours or do we want people to work their, their home time zone hours? Uh, and what are the pros and cons of that? And, and we're, actively talking through that. I don't think there, there's a solid recommendation yet uh, because we're trying to figure out what's right for our, for our, our clients and what's right for our people. And th those are the, the two North stars. Um, also thinking through of, you know, some people may want to work from like a, um, a shared office space. Is that okay? 
that some people may want are remote because they live in a different city, but still want some of that that metropolitan culture that you may not have if you're just like sitting in an apartment or a condo uh, working. Um, I've been very fortunate living because uh, I have a family and kids that were in the suburbs, um, but I know not everyone has that that luxury. So making sure that um, that everyone has a place where they feel safe and able to do their work, um, regardless of, of whether that's home, office, or, or another setting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a really great point. Um, what would be kind of the, the biggest like mindset shift you've had since 2020? Um, you know, I, I think really truly understanding what empathy means. I think we throw that around a lot. Oh, you have to be—you have to be an empathetic leader, but really, truly trying to understand uh, other people's perspective um, and and from their job and their history and and their their life story and their experience. Why is someone saying this? Whether it's it's a colleague or uh, or a client of, of why are they? Why is this their positioning? and try to understand what that means. I think uh, we've really spent the last two years really trying to, to, to find our way to empathy as a culture of, okay, we have people that um, were forced to be remote full-time. We have people, I have a friend right now who unfortunately tested positive for, for COVID and had to cancel a, a family vacation like what, what's going through that person's mind that I'm not going to ask that person the same questions that I would two weeks ago before they uh, before they tested positive um, uh, and just having a, a better sort of spidey sense or understanding of what everyone's going through um, I, I'm really curious uh, to see how much of that stays with us culturally um, uh, as Hopefully, we, we continue to turn the tide on, on the pandemic and move on to hopefully much brighter days in the very near future. Uh, but I think for, for me, truly understanding empathy as a leader uh, that, that, that predates 2020, but uh, it's been where I think I've accelerated my, my growth the most since then. Yeah, absolutely. I could continue chatting for a while, but before we wrap up, I always like to ask a couple of lightning round questions. What's one book you'd recommend that all remote first readers should read? Ooh, uh, that's such a great question. I am a huge fan of Radical Candor. Um, and I think as we, one of the things that we've talked about uh, on this conversation is about understanding our people and how you connect with people. And what I love about Radical Candor is that it really takes you through the science of delivering feedback uh, and, and being um, productive in your feedback. And that's something that um, I think I naturally just want to be blue sky and glass three quarters full. Um, but showing how this feedback that you have to give is going to help someone be better and how feedback is a good thing, not 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 a death sentence. Um, it, that, that's a great book. And I think it's so timely now because we're remote. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write it about? 
Oh gosh. I mean, the, the easiest answer would be like early 1990s professional wrestling, uh, but uh, more realistic and pertinent to this conversation, uh, I think it would be on servant leadership uh, of how you show up for your people and, and the different um, the different ways that that you we we need to be the different things our, our teams are asking of us day to day. I, I think talking to to friends and colleagues, I think that that's something that that's really um, I think we're getting better as a society in that that regard, but we're not there yet. Yeah, absolutely. And if you could have coffee with any historical figure, um, who would you choose and why? Ooh, that's such a great question. Um, I would love, I, I think it's kind of interesting right now, but I think Alexander Hamilton would just be an amazing uh, person to have coffee with, not just the, the Lin-Manuel Miranda version, but when we look at someone uh, through the lens of remote that came to a different country and, and built his profile to have an impact, uh, that, that's amazing. That's really incredible. Um, so to learn a little bit more about how he did that, how he came into, uh, came and built this identity and this life. That would be really, really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really great chatting with you, Mike. Yeah. Where can listeners find you online? Uh, best place is LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com slash Mike Schaefer. Um, I'm on Twitter at Mike Schaefer. That's S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. Uh, I just tweet mostly about sports these days. Uh, and then Instagram at Mike Schaefer as well. Absolutely. You make it really easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.